and welcome to Under Center with Kirk Cousins. Cousins from Under Center, straight drop, it's another deep shot, center of the field, And welcome to Under Center with Kirk Cousins, presented by Fleet Farm. I, I guess every cliche seemed to fit uh, last night. The Vikings at the Bears, Soldier Field, black and blue division, low scoring, uh, minimizing turnovers, field position good matter. And it kind of lived up to that whole buildup. Uh, and, and if you look at it, what, what were the, uh, the overriding reasons the Vikings were able to win this football game? Well, we, we did some really good things on offense. But what's interesting is if you had told me, you know, hey, they're going to return a kick for a touchdown and you're going to have two turnovers as an offense, I would have said – you know, I don't think we win, um, but it goes back to our defense and the fact that they only allowed uh, six points and mm-hmm. uh, time and again made great plays and um, uh, just stood up and, and made stops when they needed to make stops. So ultimately, I think that was the biggest reason. But, uh, you know, a lot of our uh, conversions on third down and, and um, you know, scoring touchdowns when we were able to in the red zone, I think that ended up being, uh, you know, being the difference. Well, the Vikings uh, have been able to run the table against uh, your divisional opponents, uh, the Packers, the Lions, and the Bears after that one and five start. And even at that time, I remember, Kirk, you said, look, if we still got 10 games to go. No one's panicking here. But uh, did any self-doubt creep into this team at that point? And, and how have we been able to turn it around? I wouldn't say doubt. I think you just realized we, we had dug ourselves a hole and it was going to take, uh, it is going to take, you know, really, really strong effort over the, mm-hmm. you know, post bye week games to be able to get back in the hunt. And uh, thus far, three games out of the bye week you know, it's been a great stretch here with three division wins. We've talked about it on this show the last few weeks that, you know, we have three division games and, and uh, what a great opportunity for us. But um you know, I'd say the same thing going forward now. Uh, you know, I believe we have seven games left guaranteed to us. And uh, mm-hmm. those seven games are really going to tell the story. So we'll take it one at a time. And and uh, we know we have a lot to play for. You knew as, as the week progressed that the Bears were going to, uh, on their defense, was going to uh, basically put all their attention on Dalvin Cook to make sure he didn't do what he's done the previous two weeks. Going into the game, uh, did you anticipate that, you know, you're going to find, have to find different ways with your arm and your ability to convert, especially third down plays to, to win this football game? Cause you know, Dalvin was still a battering ram, but it was, yeah. the yards were hard to come by. Yeah. I, I think it is what, what we expected was, was really what ended up playing out uh, as far as, you know, they're going to be able to stop the run because mm-hmm. they're a talented defense that stops the run and, they're a, they're a defense that takes pride in that. And so I felt they were going to also commit to stopping it and not allow us to. Um, but, you know, in our system, we're going to run the football, whether you're stopping it or not, we're going to keep at it and, mm-hmm. and make sure that's still the foundation of what we do. What was so important was that we were able to, on the plays where we threw it, ran a bootleg, whatever it may be, we were able to, uh, you know, marry that with the run game such that those plays were, were very effective. At the same time, Kirk, you're able to complete, I think, 10 of 11 uh, third down conversions against the number one third down defense in the National Football League. And that has to be a source of pride to be able to have that kind of effectiveness uh, when you needed it the most last night. Yeah, when you talk about uh, the key factors to winning football games in, in the NFL, you know, you talk about turnovers, you talk about, um, you know, scoring touchdowns in the red zone rather than kicking field goals. But converting third downs becomes a very critical statistic. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, to have as many conversions as we did last night against such a good defense, I thought that was a real shot in the arm for us. I think it says a lot about 
uh, the skill position guys, what they were able to do, getting open, making plays, but then also um, our coaches, you know, they sit down on Wednesday and Thursday and put together a third down plan. And, um, you know, those were, those were really big plays for us uh, throughout the game. And I thought they were really well-designed plays. Cousins, six of six, two receivers left, one right, back to pass, fade for the end zone, and it is caught! Touchdown! Adam Thielen with a 17-yard touchdown. He caught it on Buster screen. It was a one-handed, left-handed grab, and the Vikings have taken a 6-0 lead. After exchanging uh, turnovers uh, in the first quarter of the game, the Vikings took that 7-0 lead on a third and three. You put the ball where only Adam Thielen could catch it. I know you see this a lot in practice, but to to understand what Thielen's capable of in a situation one-on-one one in the end zone, you put the ball exactly where Adam and coming up with that one-handed catch was great to see on national television last night. Yes, it was an unbelievable play. Uh, I still haven't seen a tape of it, so I, I have to watch that still. But um... – you know, both he and Justin, um, you know, Rudy as well, their, their hands are, are really elite. And uh, as a result, I hate to overthrow them. You know, if anything, I want to underthrow them because I know that when it's a contested catch, they have such a great chance of bringing it in. Just give them a chance. You know, the, the worst thing you can do is overthrow them and not even give them that opportunity. So um, fortunately last night, you know, it was, uh, it was out in front of him and he was able to make the play, but uh when I see those guys one-on-one, uh, I just want to put it out there for them and then let them go, sh- you know, show why they're such special players. Uh, you mentioned your, your, this team and Gary Kubiak's committed to the running game. Uh, uh, Dalvin ran it 30 times, 96 yards. I mean, you talk about a good night's work uh, with the success he's had the last two weeks. I mean, it almost came almost too easy, if you want to use that term, to see him grind it out last night and to hey, go for that extra yard or two when he seemingly was stopped must inspire your entire offense to see that kind of effort. Yeah. And it's why he's Dalvin cook. Um, You know, he still was able to show us last night, even in a game that maybe wasn't as dominant, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, of his ability and of his effort and of his heart, you know, when you play really good football teams and and that's what you're going to have to do late in the year. And if you make the playoffs, you know, you got to play those teams in the playoffs, you know, running the football is not going to be easy against those really good football teams. So you have to find a way to still do it, churn out those difficult yards. And, and um, you know, I was proud of the way we were able to do that last night, especially late in the game when you had to run out some clock. Well, again, uh, he ran it 30 times. You threw it 36. And after the last two weeks, you go, look, I, if I throw it 14 times, I throw it 16 times, it doesn't matter as long as, long as we win. But the balance was there. I mean, we mentioned the third down conversions, but you stayed clean most of the night in the pocket. That, that's a big credit to your offensive line. Well, that's the other piece because uh, their pass rush is also really strong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think a big reason they're successful on third down that they've been a top defense is because they're not giving quarterbacks a lot of time to sit back and read their coverage. And uh, fortunately last night, you know, we were able to hold up in protection. I think I took one sack and even on the one sack that I took, you know, I look back and see that you know the ball probably could have been gone and, and uh, we could have avoided that one too. So you know, really, really proud of the way our offensive line played, both in the run game and the pass game. You know, they knew they had a challenge all week long. You know, they were being told the challenge we had in front of them. They knew it. They've played the Bears the last couple of years. And, um, you know, those guys were ready to go and, and really answer the challenge. I have to ask you about the one play. Uncharacteristically, the ball went off of Thielen's hands and fell right to the arms of Khalil Mack. And all of a sudden, he's running down the sideline. From the 28, first and 10. Cousins back to pass. Oh, Adam Thielen caught it. And then it was taken by a thief named Khalil Mack. And he heads to the 50 near 
side 40. Khalil Mack just stole it from Adam Thielen. What are we doing? 151 to go in the first half. Khalil Mack with a pick. And there I see you chasing him down and running into him on the sidelines. I'm thinking, <laughs> um, better take care of yourself. Or you all of a sudden you look up and yeah. go, that's Khalil Mack I'm running into. He's a Mack yeah. truck. Yeah, right. No, it's uh, – <laughs> Uh, you know, I think he already stepped out too. So it probably was for, for nothing to hit him like that. But, uh, I just made sure I went low and, uh, wanted to yeah. make sure he's out of bounds and, um, I got up just fine. So, uh, no worse for the yeah. wear. That's good. Uh, I know you like the matchups with your wide receivers as well. Justin Jefferson, eight catches, 135 yards. A lot of those yards after catch, you can talk about sort of how you set up the passing game, but he is just such a force of nature. And I think the impressive part, again, watching Justin develop as a, a, a wide receiver is his ability to get those extra yards when he has yeah. one, two, sometimes three defenders hanging all over him. Yeah, he has a knack for yards after the catch, certainly. And um, you know, you'd think a guy who's yards after the catch has to be like a Tyreek Hill who's going to run 4 mm. two, four, three, and is going to be incredibly quick twitch like a jitterbug. You know, And Justin's more just smooth and fluid, and yet he's getting those same yards after the catch. So it's been fun to see that. Uh, again, I think it just goes back to comes naturally to him. Uh, catching the ball comes naturally, but also once he has the football in his hands, you know, taking off and, and making people miss. And, uh, boy, that's also a hidden statistic. When you can complete the ball for, you know, 10, 20 yards and then suddenly a 30, 40, 50-yard gain, uh, you know, that says a lot, and it makes a big difference for your offense. Well, speaking of that big gain, unfortunately, uh, the big run, biggest run that Dalvin Cook had was called back as a holding call. You have to watch the film and see about that. But it was then a third and eleven. And you hit Jefferson for a 54-yard completion. That, that, and you were deep in your own zone. That, that was maybe arguably one of the biggest plays of the game. Third and 11 from the 14. Cousins back to pass. Fires over the middle. Caught Jefferson to the 45. Into Bears territory to the 40. He's dragging Jalen, Jeff, Jalen Johnson down to the 27 and lets him hear about it. It's a 53-yard grab by the best rookie receiver in the NFL. He's Justin Jefferson. Yeah, I just think from a momentum standpoint, it was, you know, tough. We were backed up. Um, I think we had we had been three and out the previous series, so we hadn't really gotten anything going. And so to be able to flip the field like that in one play from third and 11, and if you don't convert your punting from your own end zone to, you know, being across midfield and field goal range all in one play, uh, I do think that was a, a big turning point that kind of gave us a shot in the arm. And, and um, you know, it was obviously a great job by Justin. He's catching the ball 15 yards downfield, but then makes it a 50-yard gain. When you look at the uh, the, the matchups, you're going to mention Khalil Mack, and you got that that uh, that pick, the generous pick, if you want to call it that. But I, I didn't hear his name much last night uh, in the broadcast. Brian O'Neill, uh, Ezra Cleveland, those guys on the right side of the aisle, young uh, players who are really developing and giving you that confidence. Big I mean, that can be a terrorizing night, as you know, and when you play the yeah. Bears, especially if they get the lead. Right. But I didn't hear Mack's name very much last night. Yeah, I mean, you're always aware of him. So, and he's moving around a little bit, you know, lines up in different spots. You know, he drops in coverage, as we saw, you know, does a lot of different things. But, um, uh, you know, our guys knew they had to take care of him. And, and I think Brian O'Neill knew early in the game that he was, mm -hmm. he was in for a challenge because, you know, he, he could feel that, that he was rolling uh, coming off the edge. So, you know, our guys answered the challenge. And, um, you know, I thought Gary did a great job, too, with just the scheme and calling plays and not trying to play into – their hands. Uh, and I think that's important as well. There seemed to be a lot of chirping going on out there. At least yeah. the, the broadcast, you could pick up some things. Maybe it's because there are already fans in the stands, but uh, even the announcers, at the broadcast could pick up a little bit more than normally can. Was it excessive or was it just one of those nights where 
big uh, divisional rival game, and you're going to have some of that. Some of it's kind of in fun, and some of it's very competitive. Well, I just think it's uh, you know it's uh, uh, a defense we played that's you know very proud defense. They're they're a mm-hmm. strong unit, and um, you know they they didn't want to let us just walk in there and run the football, and they were going to let us know. And uh, uh, you know Dalvin and some of our guys weren't just going to stand there and take it. So. <laughs> Um, you know, it made for some chatter, but, uh, uh, you know, it feels a lot better when you can walk off the field, you know, having won the game. So, and we got to see him again, you know, well, we'll see him in December and yeah. they're, a, they're a real good unit. That'll give us a challenge. But it's got to feel good for, you know, your teammates standing up for each other. Dalvin is a leader on this team and he's, he's, he's not taking any guff from anybody. He's throwing it right back in their faces and that's got to send a message to your own team as well. Yeah. Dalvin's not going to back down. Uh, in fact, you know, even against Detroit, you know, he's, talking to Everson he's talking to their defense so uh Delvin plays the game you know like a, like a kid a kid at heart and that's mm-hmm. what Alex said on this show last week and it's it's true and and therefore if the if the defense is going to be talking to us then he's going to be talking right back and having fun with it and that's just his personality and it's it's when he plays his best is when he's able to just relax and be a kid at heart and and go play like he's you know, at recess as a, as a, as a kid Kirk if you would kind of take us through this the drive that was 13 all at the time of the fourth quarter uh, you knew you needed a touchdown. I think you hit Kyle Rudolph for 22 yards, 15 more to Jefferson, and that set up the second touchdown pass to Adam Thielen. Really a pro move. His defender slipped a little bit, but uh, it all seemed to be clicking uh, with the passing game during that drive. Three receivers to the right. The LSU rookie is one of them as BB goes in motion to the left. Third and four from the six empty backfield. Bears rush four. Cousins to the end zone. Touchdown! Thielen with a touchdown. He has two, and the Vikings have taken a 19-13 lead. Yes, it was a big play to Rudy, um, and then a big play to Justin on the sideline on the bootleg, and then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, third and goals, less than ideal when you have that many defenders in such a small area. It's usually tough sledding, but uh, again, you know, great play design for the coverage we saw. Great job by Adam getting separation in tight space, and um, you know, it was, it was, it, was a big play, you know, and I kind of knew it when we hit it that you know, with the way our defense had been playing to be able to go up six, um, you know, was going to really give us some breathing room. And uh, with how much time was left, it, it, it felt like that was, um, you know, potentially going to be the play that, that got us over the hump. And speaking of getting over the hump, uh, I think the call that, you know, you expected, I think the Bears expected you to run the ball and kind of run it out the clock. You didn't run it. You threw a 22-yard pass to Kyle Rudolph. And Kirk Cousins was very fired up on the field as the national cameras caught it. That was a big moment for you and for this football team last night. The Vikings are without tight end Irv Smith Jr. inactive tonight. First and 20 for Minnesota from the Bears, 48. Cousins on a straight drop, passes, caught at the 43. Rudolph makes a man miss, gets to the 30, drags two other Bears to the 28. Just inside the numbers, first down. 22 for 82, and Kyle did great work with those strong legs, first down. Yeah, again, a great call by Gary. Obviously, the the Bears defense was going to be loaded up to stop the run, force us to punt. Um, and you don't want to, you know, just drop back and risk, you know, a possible sack or, or fumble or whatever could happen. So finding that balance with a bootleg and with the specific type of bootleg we ran, um, you know, Kyle did a great job kind of, you know, inviting the block and then shedding him and, and then did a great job after the catch. So I thought that was the right call at the right time. And, um, you know, and the results showed.
And it's good to see you get fired up like that. It's the natural instinct. <laughs> Why wouldn't you be fired up after that play? Yeah, you I mean, know, come it's, on. Uh, it, it, there were a couple of moments last time I got fired up. The the big uh, you know catch by Justin that we talked about for for mm-hmm. uh, you know that switched fields. Uh, that one got me going, and then uh, and then that you know uh, bootleg that we hit to Rudy got me going. Um, you know, we wanted that one obviously, and um, uh, you know that's a good defense. And I was just just proud of the fact that we were uh, making those plays and uh, and moving the ball. Well, I know you shook off the Monday night uh, bit. Uh, it's kind of almost uh, talk about that ad nauseum at, at some point, but at the same time, more importantly, you got the win. And walking out of Soldier Field last night uh, had to feel pretty good. It did. It was very satisfying, um, you know, to get that win. And, uh, and you know, as I was running onto the field to take a knee and Eric Kendrick was running off, you know, he was saying, hey, man, that's that's three in a row. That's three division wins. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's not saying it to, to rest on our – success he's saying it to you know hey let's let's believe let's uh get this thing going in the right direction and, and keep it going so um you know and we work so hard when you do win in a tough game like that you do want to enjoy it and celebrate and so that's what uh, the, the you know leaving the stadium and and uh, the flight home is all about well thanks kirk we'll be right back with our special guest this week vikings longtime pr director bob hagan who will reminisce about his relationship with the one and only sid hartman it's game day any day Play the new Vikings scratch game from the Minnesota Lottery with a top prize of $100,000. Are you game? Just say, I'm in. Get more details at mnlottery.com. From camo and cat food to tools and tires, you'll find it all at Fleet Farm, your one-stop shop. Fleet Farm is the proud sponsor of Under Center. Well, Kirk, it's a, it's a great opportunity to chat with uh, one of my longtime friends, the guy you work with closely with the Minnesota Vikings, the longtime PR director, Bob Hagen, who has a lot of stories, uh, not just from inside the, the Vikings organization, but uh, about the, the passing of Sid Hartman. He was very close with Bob. Uh, welcome to Under Center. Uh, first of all, I'm, I'm trying to remember myself. How many years have you been with the Vikings organization, and in particular, the role you're currently in? I've, I've been with the team for 30 years. Um, uh, My goodness. So only half as long as your career right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You started uh, like I did as an intern, right? I did in 1991. Jerry Burns was the head coach. Um, you know, that was quite some time ago. Yeah, it really was. But uh, throughout this time, uh, I know you've had you developed a very close re- close relationship. Uh, and I hate to even use this term with the late Sid Hartman. I can't believe those words are coming out of my mouth. I'm sure it feels that way to you as well. But uh, you had a special bond with them, especially as the years went by. Correct? I did. Um, you know, when I got to the team. You know, in 1991, he was a young 70 year old. And, you know, it's and people said, hey, this guy's not going to be around much longer. You're not going to have to worry about helping this guy out. And boy, I'm I'm really glad they were all wrong because, you know, I developed, uh, you know, a great friendship with him, both personally and professionally over those years. And um, he was amazing. And just when players would come in and I would say, hey, this guy's 82 or 88 or you know, that when Kurt came, he was 98. You know, it's amazing. Uh, Bob, you, you, I, I met you, Bob, uh, the same day I met Sid, which was uh, on my free agent visit back, back in March of 2018. And I believe it was Sid's birthday that day. He was turning 98, as you said. Um, and I didn't know all about Sid. Uh, I had heard of him, but got to meet him, got to get a couple questions from him during the press conference that day. And I could feel right away, uh, the impact he had had over his career, the influence he had had, the difference he had made. 
Um, and you were with Sid the night before he passed, which uh, speaks to the relationship you've had with him. Um, and then when I asked you in the fall of 2018 if I could have dinner with Sid at Murray's, uh, I went to you to set it up. And then you came along with us. Uh, and so you've obviously had a great relationship with him over the years. Uh, what do you remember of that night at Murray's and the conversation we had? Well, first of all, I'll go back a little bit. You know, um, you came up to me and you said, hey, you know, we found out that that Murray's was his spot and that right. he had been, you know, involved with that restaurant since since it began. <laughs> and you came up and you're like, let's go to let's go to dinner with him some night. And you, and I said, yeah, I'll, I'll set it up. And people say stuff like that all the time, but you're a follow through guy. And you, you came to me like the next day and you said, we're going Tuesday, September 11th or Tuesday, September 18th. And I'm like, I'll check it out with them. And Sid picked the first one and we went on September 11th. And I mean, you know, what's amazing is that you always do your homework, obviously, for what you do for a living, but you did your homework that day because you got there and you knew something about him that I didn't know and he didn't know. That that <laughs> that that September 11th, 1945 is when he wrote his first ever column, you know, for the Star Tribune. And so it was the 73-year anniversary yeah. on the actual night we went out to mm. dinner. Yeah. Um, so there was Tom West and I and the PR yep. staff. Yep. There was uh, Kirk brought Trevor Simeon, his backup quarterback, because he wanted him to hear the stories too. <laughs> and then Sid was there with Lacey, his assistant. There's six of us. Yep. And we got kind of a quiet booth back in the corner. And, um, you know, what I really remember about that night is just watch, like Tom and I had heard most of these stories before, but, but you and Trevor um, had and and uh, um, and you just kept wanting more and more and asking him <laughs> about the Lakers and yeah. other stuff. And, you know, I'm sitting there going at one point, hey, we probably got to get going. And I remember what you said. You're like, we're getting dessert, aren't we? And so you yeah. ordered desserts. It, all yeah. of us had desserts and it was fantastic. And uh, and I do remember one time, like when we were walking out of the restaurant, and you were the new guy in town, the quarterback and everything. And I just remembered that. Uh, as we were walking out, I go, Hey, as many people will know Sid yes. uh, as, as will yes. know you, you know, yes. just, and people are, you know, they knew who you were too, but they definitely were like, hey, Sid's here tonight. He's with the quarterback. Oh my goodness. That sums it up pretty well. And I was glad you were there because obviously Sid's hearing uh, in his late nineties was fading. And so having a conversation was somewhat difficult, but you were somewhat of our translator being able to kind of go back and forth. So Sid was on the same page with us and, I don't know if you remember, but you started telling a story about Coach Dungey and how Coach Dungey, who played for the Gophers uh, during his senior year, had written Sid a letter uh, basically saying, thanks for the way you've covered me over the last several years, and I've enjoyed my relationship with you. And it really was um, you know, a great look inside to Coach Dungey and, and who he is as a person, that he would do that and write that letter to Sid. Well, Sid starts kind of pressing his jacket pocket like this, and opens his coat and pulls out the letter. letter. <laughs> he had it on him, and yep. Bob didn't even know that. Wow. Uh, I don't know if Sid carried it with him on a regular basis, if he just happened to have it in that jacket pocket, if he planned to bring it that night. But Bob tells a story, and then Sid just says, oh, by the way, here's the actual letter. And sure enough, he opened it up, and it was Tony's handwriting dated from when he was in college. So 
that was kind of a fun moment. And again, just speaks to the influence and the legacy of Sid Hartman. Yeah. I mean, and I think he only had a few sport coats at this time that he was wearing. So he, you know, you know, it just was lucky that was in that one, but he had showed it to a bunch of people. He had recent, he had found that letter when he was like 94 or five. And he was so proud of that letter. And you know, it, it kind of shows a lot about Tony Dungy and Sid at the same time. But yes, you know, when he, you know, Tony came here with never having been to Minnesota before and Sid really took him under his wings and showed him everything about the town and became a loyal friend to him. And that's the one word I'd say about Sid that he always used with people was he was loyal. I mean, he yeah. was, he yeah. was an extremely loyal person. Yeah. We're talking to a longtime PR director of the Vikings, Bob Hagen, a, a true close personal friend of Sid Hartman. And, and I, I know Bob, you're a treasure trove of stories, of Sid's stories. But uh, if you could relate the the one chance encounter that uh, the odd couple of all time, Sid meeting Prince, was that at the Super Bowl? That was at the Super Bowl. So um, the the story goes like this. So at the Super Bowl, there's five thousand media are credentialed, and for many years, Sid's last years of doing the Super Bowl, um, four thousand nine hundred ninety nine of them had to pick those credentials up in person he was the only one that didn't have to and Joe Brown at the NFL made it so that Sid wouldn't have to stand in this line show an ID and all this stuff but my assignment was they always gave it to me which made it doubly as tough you know so Mm -hmm. to track him down so it's Sid was about 90 the famous Super Bowl that uh, Prince played at halftime Miami uh, right in Miami halftime with the rain and everything so Sid, um, Sid calls me and he goes, I'm going to come over to the media center on Thursday. And he goes, I'll be there. He calls me in the morning and he says, I'll be there at uh, two o'clock. And I go, oh, that's not going to work. I got this. I got it. I'm involved at the Prince press conference. And uh, he's like, well, I'd like to meet that guy. And I go, oh, no, 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 no. So, you know, he can't hear well. And I'm trying to explain because he, he thinks it's as easy for me to set up as talking to the Vikings backup linebacker or something. You know, he thinks it's that easy. I'm like, I, I can't get you a sit. And I go, oh, I'll just explain it to him when he gets here. So he gets there. And one thing, too, he's very persistent. That's another word about Sid. One no, of the was most he ever? Was he ever? So he gets there and he goes, I really want to see that Prince guy. And uh, that's what he called him. And I said, <laughs> and I don't know, I was crazy. And I just said, all right, I'll give it my best shot. So I have an official pass that can go anywhere and get backstage. He doesn't. So we get, we go over it. I said, just follow me. And he just followed me through the first checkpoint and uh, Sid, and, and, and we, we got in. I'm like, oh, great. But then we got to the second checkpoint. And then I said, Sid, you just need to be quiet here. You need to just oh let me do the talk. And I had credentials around the neck. He wasn't always good at being quiet either. And, uh, and I talked our way through there with him. And I'm like, we're home free. But then we get to the third and final checkpoint. And the guy there says, sorry, sir. Nobody goes beyond this, no matter what type of pass you had. Mm. And I used my best sales text techniques at that time. And I said, listen, sir, with all due respect, the guy who's about to walk on stage and the guy standing here next to me, 90-year-old Sid Hartman, these are the two most well-known people from the state of Minnesota. And he 
trusted me and he led us through and we got through and Prince was walking down this hallway. He's about 20 yards from us, long ways. And he's just about to turn right and go onto the stage. There's 1500 people at this press conference and he's just about to turn right. And Sid yells, hey, Prince, hey, Prince. <laughs> and we get accosted by 15 security people. Oh. And Prince is at the end of the hall and he turns his head real slow and he walked all the way back to talk to us and talk to Sid <laughs> for five minutes. He knew that voice. He knew who Sid was. And when they got back there, they talked about Minnesota sports and they both went to the same high school, 50 years apart, but North high school. Really? it was an amazing yeah. story. Wow. And as, um, as I wow. told it, it, um, uh, you know, it was kind of one rock star meeting another rock star. So to speak. Well, Sid has a pretty impressive Rolodex. I mean, that's one thing I was told when I, when I got here, they said, you'd, you'd be surprised if you heard some of the names of people he could call right now and they would pick up the phone. So uh, I guess over a hundred years, you, you uh, meet quite a few people, but um, he was, he was a pretty heavy hitter when they came to uh, the contacts. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if it was his 70th anniversary of the paper and WCCO, but he had Bobby Knight, their speak for him, Lou Holtz, George Steinbrenner, and of course, Bud Grant, those four people. <laughs> and obviously those people are all at the top of their profession. But I think what, what always struck me about the relationship, at least with those four guys, is that he knew all of them, like in the 40s or 50s, he knew all of them before they became head coaches. He knew yeah. all of them before they became owners. He yeah. knew all of them before they became famous. And so once again, I'll go back to, you know, the loyalty thing. That, yeah. It was quite amazing to have all those relationships over all those years. Well, the coach who drafted me in the NFL was Mike Shanahan. And Sid knew Mike Shanahan when Mike Shanahan was a young coach with the Gophers. And so when I got here, we had a lot of conversations around the fact that Mike Shanahan drafted me and coached me. And Sid remembers him from the days of the Gophers. And sure enough, I reached out to Mike and Mike said, oh, tell Sid Hartman I said hello. And so that's just another example of a Super Bowl, two-time Super Bowl winning head coach, uh, knowing Sid long before he was the famous uh, NFL head coach. Yeah, he, he kept his Rolodex of relationships. Um, they were really unbelievable over the years. And Mark knows that of just all the different people that – he could be in contact with. There was always some competition. He wanted to make sure, um, you know, make sure that guy knows I'm the guy in this town. You know? <laughs> and we'll be right back with more from our guest of the week, Vikings head of PR, Bob Hagan, under center with Kirk Cousins, presented by Fleet Farm. Well, Bob, I still have it in my calendar. Uh, uh, it was supposed to be March 17th, I think St. Patrick's Day. We were scheduled uh, to, to, uh, to uh, host Sid Hartman's 100th birthday at Lou Nanny's restaurant with his close personal friends. Mm -hmm. And that's when COVID stepped in and, and put an wow. end to that. But uh, that, that was real unfortunate because then a lot of people were pretty excited about sharing that day with him. Yeah. I still got the invitation sitting on my desk or not the invitation, but I, I made up the list. Yeah. I, I've done this the last few years and, and, and it grew this year. We were going to have almost 90 people there. Oh. And uh, um, I wow. did get to spend his 100th birthday, which was on March 15th, um, mm -hmm. I did go down with Bud Grant and we surprised him on WCCO radio. 
and Bud was on the last hour with um, Sid's son Chad, and it was um, it was a great time. Um, I took tons of pictures that day, and it turns out that you know, I mean, I took the last picture with you know Bud and Sid together. Never did I think it would be that way, wow. but um, you know, it, uh, it it's it's too bad that party didn't get to happen. Um, I did get to go out to Sid on his hundredth birthday. Um, we went out for lunch that day and I mean, it was, it's that, it will be a fantastic memory. I'll, I'll keep with me the rest of my life. Knowing who Sid was as a person, the, uh, social distancing and the staying home had to crush him, uh, to not be in his normal routine at the football facility, going around town, going to Murray's, um, and so I know, you know, it, it couldn't have been easy on him the last several months of his life to be uh, sort of told to stand down when all he had known was to keep going and going. Yeah, it, it was tough. And he, he came over a few times over to my house. We were in the driveway. And, um, you know, one time he came over, I thought he was going to be there for three minutes because sometimes he's very, he you know, he's just always in a hurry. And he was there like an hour and 15 minutes and you know my two youngest kids one one's in college one's in high school and my wife we were all just talking with them and I mean that was a great day um Mm. one of the great days and I went over to his house a bunch and would see him in the driveway when um you know the day was nice enough for him to come outside and stuff but you know I did get a text on his 100th birthday from one of my friends and you know a lot of this pro sports had shut down on I don't know, March 11th, 12th, Mm -hmm. right in there. And so Sid's birthday was on the 15th and there was, there was literally nothing going on. All the, you know, the college basketball tournaments got canceled and everything else. And, and my friend sent me a text that, you know, will probably be the best text I'll get all year. It just said, Sid outlived sports, three words, you know, and, (laughs) and, and and for four months it was kind of true. And, and, and that was tough because um, as his son, Chad said, you know, Sid wasn't going to start watching, you know, Tigerland on, on uh, uh, Netflix or something, you know, it's right. just like sports were everything to him. Right. So to not be able to read the stuff and do this stuff, you know, definitely, you know, is a shame that, that it had to be that way. But such great memories that uh, all of us had who got in contact with Sid. Uh, he knew my, my dad, his brothers growing up in North Minneapolis and uh, all the way through our lives. I mean, he, uh, he was there for all of us, and his loyalty was uh, the, the number one word. You're right, Bob Hagen. Uh, he was loyal to his friends, and he had a lot of them. He did. And, uh, you know, he was he was great to everybody at the Vikings. I mean, I got to share 30 of the 60 years of the Vikings, you know, with him. But, um, you know, he was great to the coaches, um, the coaches, the players, the staff you know, the media, he was great to the Wilt family when they took over the team uh, 15 years ago. And, you know, he just, he, he's a, a true treasure for, for our community, but, you know, also really the whole country for what he brought, um, you know, for what he brought to the state of Minnesota. All right. So Bob, as I said earlier, I met you uh, on my free agent visit to Minnesota the day I signed back in 2018. And we did some Midwest bingo and figured out uh there were some family connections talk about uh the ties that we have back to a small town in iowa yeah well back you know when you were playing at michigan state one one day my my uncle called my dad and said hey you know you see this star at michigan state he goes 
He said his grandmother babysat us. It was our first ever babysitter in Fort Dodge, Iowa. So um, when you were taking your first tour, I'm like, you know, I got to find out that this is actually really true because I've known this, you know, for seven, eight years at this point. And so I, uh, I asked your, your dad and he said, yeah, it's, it's, it's your mom's mom. Yes. And, uh, and, um, and she was, she was still alive. Your grandmother, I know yep. is very yep. important to you. Like Sid was to me. And I think she passed away later that, that fall, but she yes. was, she was my dad's, uh, first ever babysitter. And I thought, wow, that's what a small world. And she was the grandma from which I bought the conversion van the 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 gray ghost that I famously drive around from time to time or my family takes to games. So um yeah it's a small world. It was amazing. So and, and uh, her her last name did she grow up was her last Woodard. name Woodard was her uh, her last name growing up was Prey. That was Prey. her maiden name. And yep. that's it that's what um my dad said and your mom said that they had a they had a uh it it, it was called uh, their logo on the side of their truck or whatever was pray for better plumbing you that's know right. so, they ran a plumbing so. <laughs> company pray for better plumbing in fort dodge iowa well it's been great moving here to minnesota over the last three years because i've gotten to make a lot of connections being that my family is mostly from the state of iowa some in the dakotas uh to be able to meet so many people who who are connected to those towns and those places so uh including your dad's first ever babysitter <laughs> that's Alrighty. good stuff well, thanks, Bob, for joining the show, and we'll be right back to preview the Dallas Cowboys and Under Center with Kirk Cousins, presented by Fleet Farm. The Vikings Entertainment Network takes you inside the walls of the TCO Performance Center each week via the Minnesota Vikings podcast, which features exclusive guests, including players, coaches, staff, and experts across the NFL. Listen to interviews, press conferences, highlights, quotes from the locker room, and much more. Subscribe on all major podcast platforms to listen. And for information, visit vikings.com slash MVP. All right, so Kirk, you're back home uh, against a Dallas Cowboy team that's two and seven, but still they're the Dallas Cowboys. They're playing in an NFC East where they probably still feel they could win the division. So still a lot at stake for it. Otherwise, uh, a two and seven team could be pretty discouraged coming in here. Yeah, it's it's uh, the record is deceiving, and as most records are in the NFL, because these games are all so close. And if you go back and look at you know the difference in winning or losing so many of these games, the records could be very different. But as you said. They're still in the playoff hunt. They can still win their division easily. And uh, as a result, you know, they're going to come with everything they got. And, uh, you know, I know they're probably going to be getting their quarterback back this week, Andy Dalton. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he's played a lot of games in this league, had a lot of success. So, um, you know, they're going to be ready to go. And uh, it'd be great to get back home now. Um, you know, even though we're not playing as, as much in front of our fans, it'd be great to get back home and, you uh, uh, you know, we got to take what's been a three-game winning streak and and find a way to get it to four. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you'll be breaking down a lot of uh, a lot of film this week. But they gave Pittsburgh all they could handle. The unbeaten Steelers. I think the Steelers scored I think 15 unanswered points in the fourth quarter to stay unbeaten. So, uh, you know, as they say, any given Sunday, uh, you know what, what? If you look at that tape, that'll resonate with everybody on your offense to realize that this Cowboy team is better than their record. Yeah, and that's just classic NFL. The fact that an undefeated team, you know, arguably the number one team in the NFL, is going up against the Cowboys, and and the Cowboys have a lead like that late in the game. I mean, that kind of tells you everything you need to know about this league and how close, closely matched teams are, and how the margin for error is so small. And um, you know, we know that we've lived that week in and week out, but uh, we got to find those inches on uh, next Sunday and and do whatever we have to do to come out with a win, however it has to be done. 
Now you're playing Dallas. It's a 325 game at U.S. Bank. I made the observation last night. I felt that this was the first game where fans are really – the fans are going to really miss being there because you've won three in a row. Yeah. It's Thanksgiving week coming up. It's football yeah. season. It's all the stuff that – all the mixings uh, that, 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 are, that are there, and yet you, you still have to – as a team, is it, is it getting easier to find that own energy, your own energy at home where you don't have the skull chant, you don't have yeah. the, the gallahorn, you don't have anything that goes with having that home field advantage? Well, that's a great point that if, if this were a normal year, uh, our home stadium would be rocking uh, on Sunday. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's not a normal year, but uh, I do think we're getting used to it. I think, uh, uh, you know, our, uh, our staff is doing a nice job of trying to still create a traditional game day atmosphere at the best that, that they can. And, um, you know, ultimately, you know, playing well is what brings that energy and brings that juice. And so when you can start fast, when you can make plays, uh, you know, that's what really brings the energy. And, and we need to do that this Sunday. And then we need to sustain it all four quarters. You mentioned uh, as you're walking on the field for the kind of the victory formation, uh, Eric Kendricks was walking off the field. And you've talked so highly of Eric Kendricks. When you think of Eric Kendricks and Harrison Smith being the glue of this defense yeah. and the back end of it with a lot of young players who are improving almost by the week, but those two guys are irreplaceable on this football team. Kendricks went out for a brief time, brief play. Uh, he came back in, but my goodness, uh, what an impact yeah. those two guys are making. Yeah. I, I think so highly of them as players, as people, as teammates, um, you know, guys like that add Anthony Harris to the mix. They are why our locker room is a great locker room and why it's fun to be a Viking uh, because you have players like that that you're playing alongside. Um, You know, those guys aren't self-promoters. They're just hard Mm -hmm. workers uh, who have a lot of ability and uh, they're coachable and they want to win and um, it matters to them. So uh, I love playing with them. Uh, I hate playing against them in practice all off season, (laughs) but love playing with them in in the fall on, on game day. And, uh, um, you know, they're, they're fun to watch. I know you have a kinship with uh, your fellow quarterbacks in the league. There's a great deal of respect uh, for them. I know it hurt to, to see Nick Foles go down late in the game last night. I know you have a good relationship with Nick and I hope let's all hope that he's okay. And you think about the Drew Brees situation, uh, the fractured ribs on both sides, a lung issue. And I, I, I watch you and you got, it looks like you wear, I don't know if it's a flak jacket or what it is, but I don't know how <laughs> quarterbacks protect themselves. When you hear about that, what Breeze is going through and he goes, my yeah. goodness, uh, I, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a violent game. And, um, you know, you reminded every week, it seems like every week there's, you know, somebody who's, who had to leave the game with an injury. And so, um, you know, you, you stay prayed up and, and you yeah. wear all the protective equipment <laughs> you can and, I got hit in the back uh, against the Lions on a corner blitz, and we were watching the film the next day because I got I got it pretty good in the back. And uh, I told the, the you know the quarterbacks and the quarterback coach that were watching. I said that's why I wear that big flap jacket because you know you never know when you're going to get a shoulder right to the ribs. And uh, um, so I, I I usually def- you know say put all on all the protective equipment you can uh, because uh, if it's not going to weigh me down, it's not going to hurt. Have you seen the equipment improve over the years to protect yourself at the same time? maintain you know the ability to throw the ball with the comfort and ease that you you want to throw the ball with yeah it keeps evolving you know I mean I've I've worn very similar equipment from similar brands since I was in high school and Mm. uh you know really have had worn this exact same helmet and face mask all the way through high school college and the pros 
but the technology evolved such that they said I could really no longer wear that helmet and had to update it to the latest model because of the testing and the ability to get the, uh, the helmet safer and safer. Uh, you know, the same with the shoulder pads. And, um, and so I'm, yeah, I'm, the guys give me a hard time because I wear like the full size knee pads. And in today's NFL, very few guys wear, want to wear knee pads at all, let alone the full size. But I've just always worn them going back to youth football. So I still do. And Adam and other guys give me a hard time because it's not the trendiest look, but, uh, but it works for me. You're not trying to win fashion statements out there. Yeah, no, I'm not. Adam wishes I was trying, but I'm not. <laughs> Dallas Cowboys here at 325 on Sunday. Good luck, Kirk, and uh, look forward to seeing you. Thanks, Rosie. That'll be a big one. Can't wait to get it, get it going. 